Hi, folks. I'm Wound Care Karen. I'm a registered nurse with a passion for wound care. Today's episode is about how to dress a wound and care for your wound. It's a follow-up to my last episode when I talked about how to clean your wound. But first, let's get the legal stuff out of the way. So here's a disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or a qualified healthcare professional. In fact, if you're being treated by a professional for a wound, please be sure to follow their advice, okay? Now let me start by thanking everyone who listened to the last episode about how to clean your wound. The response was great. In fact, I got a few questions in my email, so let me start by addressing those first. The first question reads, Hi, Wound Care Karen. Can I change my dressing in the shower? Now this is a great question. Now generally, most wounds can be uncovered and exposed in the shower with a few exceptions. Number one, if there's any bone, tendon, or joint exposed. I do not recommend you expose that in the shower. In fact, if there's any bone, tendon, or joint exposed, I strongly recommend you to seek professional medical help and follow their instructions. Number two, if the wound is on the very bottom of your foot, we call that plantar wound, and it's deeper than say like a quarter of an inch, I would not expose that in the shower either. And just like number one, if you have a wound on the bottom of your foot and you're a diabetic and or you're what we call neuropathic, I strongly encourage you to seek professional medical wound care, please. And number three, if you've had surgery and you have an incision, please listen to your surgeon. They will tell you when and how you can shower. I always say that wound care is different than incisional care, and I encourage you to follow your surgeon's advice. Now, with those three exceptions aside, the shower can be a great place to clean your wound, especially if you have dressings that tend to stick to your wound, or if you have a large surface area wound. It can be good to get in the shower with your dressing on and then just let the water run over it and help you take the dressing off. Depending on the site of your wound and the type of shower you have, maybe it's a, an overhead shower or a handheld shower, sometimes it's best to not be in the direct shower stream. It also depends on your pressure force, right? But just let the water flow down your body. I personally, I, I recently had surgery on the front parts of me and my surgeon's instructions were to keep my incisions out of the shower stream. So I just turned around and let the water hit my shoulders and my back and then it just kind of ran down the front of me. The second question I received uh, in an email said, Hi, Wound Care Karen. My doctor wants me to use saline to clean my wound, but my insurance won't cover it and I can't afford it. What else can I use? Now, this is a great point. Most insurances, including Medicare, will not cover anything to clean your wound with, which is just a huge oversight on their part, in my opinion. But the good news is that you can make a saline solution at home with simply water and table salt. Now, you can use tap water, but you have to boil it first. Or if you can purchase distilled water, you can just add salt. The exact recipes, they're all over the internet. So I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. Just pull up your search engine and type in how to make normal saline for wound care. And then you can read recipes or you can watch videos and they'll show you how to make saline for wound care. And then a third question I got was uh, they asked, can I use cotton balls to clean my wound? Now that's a great question. In fact, in nursing school in the 1990s, we were taught to use cotton balls to clean wounds. But in my own personal experience, they just seem to leave too many fibers behind, like these long, stringy, white cotton fibers. And then then you have to go back and dig them out. So I don't know, maybe I'm using the wrong kind of cotton balls. I don't know. (laughs) But I do want to mention that if that's all you have, or if you prefer to use them, then by 
all means use a cotton ball. It's certainly gentle enough for wounds. Just be sure to not leave behind any fibers. So I really want to thank everyone who wrote in with their questions. This is the whole point of my campaign is to spread awareness and help people learn how to care for their own wounds. So I really, really thank you. So let's continue on. You've listened to the previous episode, so you know how to clean your wound or your loved one's wound. You've already done step one. You you cleared a clean space and you locked the pets out of the room. You did step two. You gathered all your supplies. And then you did step three. You washed your hands and you put on gloves if you had them. And then step four, you cleaned your wound. So now we're ready to move on to the dressing part. And first, and this step is so important. I cannot stress this enough. Now think about it. You've just got done with a dirty part, right? You took off a dirty dressing and cleaned a dirty wound. So now I want you to remove your gloves if you're wearing them and wash your hands with soap and water or hand sanitizer if that's all you've got. This step is so important to prevent reinfecting the wound from your old dirty dressings or dirty gloves. This next step of wound dressing must be done with the utmost cleanliness that we can achieve. If you needed to use scissors to remove your old dressing, please clean them with alcohol now if you need to use them again to cut your new dressing or to cut tape. If the pad or the towel that you're working over is dirty or saturated, please try to switch it out with a clean pad or clean towel. Now once more for the people in the back, get rid of your dirty items, wash your hands, put on clean gloves if you have them, and keep this area and keep these items clean for the next steps. This is very, very important. Now many people say, why don't you just leave your wound open to the air? Let it get a scab. And let me say that in very minor wounds, shallow wounds, such as abrasions, small paper cuts, tiny scratches, it is perfectly fine to let a scab form. This is the body's natural way of covering the wound to keep out germs. And just directly under the scab, there's a little bit of moisture where the wound is healing. So that's perfectly fine. Or even like for infants or toddlers, if you're worried about them pulling off a Band-Aid and swallowing it, right? You might just want to leave it open, let it scab. And remember, most incisions do not need to be covered either. Please be sure to follow your surgeon's instructions. Wound care is different than incisional care. But for larger wounds or deeper wounds, or for small wounds that you want to heal rapidly, moist wound care is the best. In 1962, Dr. George Winter at the University of London performed a study that proved that moist wound care can help a wound heal faster and with less scarring. I'll attach a link to that study in my show notes in case you like to read about science like me. Okay, now we get to the dressing. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of dressings to choose from and it can get overwhelming, but let's understand some basic tenets of moist wound care. Number one, keep the wound covered. So choose a dressing that's large enough to cover the entire wound and think of a way to keep it on. Now some dressings already have adhesive, so that's easy. Some dressings need to be secured with tape or like a self-adhesive wrap. The second tenant of wound care is moisture. We like to keep wounds moist. Now remember, your skin is a protective barrier that keeps your inside flesh moist. So when the skin is gone or interrupted or has a little cut, you need to replace and protect that moisture. But we also don't want the good skin around it to get too wet, right? So it's a careful balance. Think of your wound as the Goldilocks of wounds. Not too dry, not too wet, but just right. I always teach my patients to think of their wounds kind of like their eyeball. Like that's the kind of moisture they want. You don't want your eyeball too dry, right? You don't want it 
too wet. You just want it somewhere in the middle. It's the same concept with your wound. One of my favorite items in my first aid box to help maintain moisture is white petroleum. That's right. Just plain old petroleum jelly. Some name brands are Aquaphor or Vaseline, but any generic or plain white petrolatum will do. Now remember, wound care does not have to be expensive. Now I recognize that some folks prefer to not use a petroleum product, and that's totally understandable. So things like aloe vera gel or lanolin, or even a small bit of olive oil or safflower oil, they're great for naturally keeping moisture on a wound. Now honey has been used for millennia in wound care, but we're not talking about the honey in your pantry that you put on toast. The honey we use in wound care is medical grade, sterilized, and very specific honey for wound care. These products are available in your first aid aisle at your local pharmacy or online retailers. Some people swear by honey, and I think it has its uses. My biggest pet peeve with honey is that it can be a little hard to find, it can be expensive, and sometimes it can cause a slight tingling or a burning sensation. I think about like 5% of my patients who have tried it can't use it because of the slight tingling sensation, but you'll know right away. And what about topical antibiotic ointments? Now, one of the most famous is Neosporin, right? Thanks to the billion-dollar marketing campaign, by its manufacturer, Johnson & Johnson. (laughs) Neosporin is ubiquitous in society. Everyone knows what it is, and most people have it in their first aid box at home, right? I know I did growing up. The funny thing is, 99% of wound care doctors and 99% of dermatologists do not recommend Neosporin. Isn't that crazy? But let me explain why. Neosporin is a triple antibiotic. That means it has three ingredients. And let me read them to you. They're all like $10 words here. So one of the ingredients is bacitracin. One of the ingredients is polymyxin B. And one of the ingredients is neomycin sulfate. Now the first two ingredients, they're, they're pretty benign. But the neomycin, it has a very high sensitivity rate. Now that means that many people are allergic to it. So they put it on their wound and the skin around it becomes red, scaly, and itchy. And most people don't recognize it's the medicine. Most people think their wound is getting infected. Neomycin allergy is so common that it was named the allergen of the year in 2010. right? It's important to understand that neosporin or any of its single ingredients do not speed up wound healing any faster than plain petroleum jelly. So you don't always need an antibiotic. Just focus on the moisture retaining barrier such as petroleum jelly or aloe vera gel. I usually instruct my patients to apply the petroleum jelly or aloe vera gel directly to the clean bandage, not directly to the wound. Applying ointment directly to a wound can hurt and sometimes it's hard to spread it around. So I tell patients to put it on the dressing just like you would put like peanut butter on bread. Just spread it on. And it's okay if you get some petroleum on the good skin. It won't hurt good skin. If what you're using comes in a tube or a jar, try to remember and not touch the tip of the tube or the inside of the jar with a dirty finger or or a reused cotton tip applicator. Always use a clean finger or a clean gloved finger or a fresh cotton tipped applicator or even a clean like disposable 
disposable butter knife or something like that or a clean disposable spoon if that's all you have. Now remember, these are the steps when you want to keep things as clean as possible. Be sure to close the tube or the jar as soon as you're done. If your wound drains a lot and bigger wounds or deeper wounds really, really drain, then you probably don't even need any petroleum jelly or aloe vera gel. That stuff will just wash off. The goal of those products are to keep a wound moist. So if you already have a wet wound, then skip the ointments or gels. The best kind of dressings are those that don't stick. The last thing you want when removing your dressing is to have it stick and then create pain and new trauma. So look for dressings that say non-stick or non-adherent on the package if you can. If you simply can't find a non-stick dressing, then try applying more ointment to prevent it from sticking. If your wound is on a flat surface, such as your thigh or abdomen or the side of your arm, usually a square or rectangle bandage will do. But if you got to put the bandage around a joint, like your finger or your elbow or knee or ankle, anything that bends, then you may want to consider special bandages that are cut to allow for the contours or cut them yourself. We call that butterflying our dressings. Simply cut out like little slits or little triangles from the edges to allow them to conform around any rounded areas. If the wound is on your leg or arm or if you have very fragile skin, this is especially found in the elderly, you may want to consider wrapping the arm or the leg instead of putting tape on the skin. Use a roll gauze to gently wrap it, not too tight, or you can simply cut the toe off of a clean sock and then pull that sock up your leg or up your arm to secure the bandage. If the wound is in an area that's difficult to dress, like your armpit or your bra line or your groin or buttock, well then we've got to get a little creative. For the armpit or bra, sometimes we simply take like a feminine pad and we secure it to the overgarment, like the inside of your shirt or underneath your bra. Strap. For the groin or buttock, sometimes we just secure the dressing with the underwear or we have you wear a feminine pad or even try wearing disposable underwear to absorb drainage. If you get frequent wounds in these hard to dress areas, please go back and listen to episode four where I discuss hydradenitis superativa. There's a line of dressings made exclusively for these areas. It's called Hydrawear, H-I-D-R-A-W-E-A-R. And I'll share a link in my show notes. If your wound has what we call a cavity, that is like it's bowl shaped or canyon shaped, or perhaps there's a little tunnel. Well, then you'll need to gently pack this area. Now these wounds are best treated under professional medical advice. So I strongly suggest that. When it comes to packing wounds, there are some specific dressings. They're called packing strips that can really help. They come in a small bottle and the strips kind of look like shoestring. There's different widths. There's quarter inch, half inch, one inch, and two inch strips, depending on your wound size. Sometimes they even come with medicine on them. These are called iodoform gauze packing and they're they're soaked in a little bit of iodine so it's got antiseptic properties. We use this kind of packing a lot with abscesses and infected wounds that need to be packed. Now please note I hate the word packing because to me that means like using a lot of pressure to pack that wound tightly. Kind of like how I pack my suitcase at the end of a vacation. (laughs) So I like to use the word tuck. I teach my patients to gently tuck some gauze into the wound bed to fill it gently and to only ever use one piece of packing and to be sure to leave a tail so then you can remove it for the next dressing change. If your wound is large or deep or if it's on your lower legs, it may drain a lot. So you may want something really absorbent to catch the drainage. Consider what we call ABD pads or feminine hygiene pads or even preemie baby diapers. I've used them around legs. 
whatever you have around that's clean and you can dispose of when it's saturated. There's also medical foam dressings and fancy things called alginates that can absorb a lot too but they can be pricey. They are usually covered by insurance though, as long as your provider notes that you have a large amount of drainage. When it comes to adhesive tape, you have to be careful. Now I'm a fair-skinned redhead, so guess what? I have really sensitive skin and all manner of bandages and adhesives and regular band-aids, well, they really do a number on my skin. Most of them just leave a rash, but some of them even get itchy. So I have to avoid all traditional tapes on my skin. The only type of bandage that I I use is what's called a silicone bandage. These are the newest adhesive type bandages on the market. So unfortunately they are a bit pricey right now. They're anywhere from $4 a piece or eight or even $10 a piece, depending on the size. But again, for me, I just, I just have no choice. So they've been a big game changer in wound care, especially for use on elderly or very fragile skin. So check them out, silicone dressings or silicone bandages. So now that you've got your dressing on, the next question will be, how often should I change it? Well, that depends on a few things. Number one, if it drains a lot, and by that I mean the dressing gets saturated, then you'll need to change it more often, perhaps daily or twice per day. Remember, we wanna protect that skin around the wound. We don't want it to get too wet. But ideally, if you can leave a bandage alone for like two or three days, that's awesome. Wounds love to stay warm. And each time we take the dressing off, the wound gets cold and the healing stops until the wound warms up again. And that can take an hour or even more after you put the new dressing on. In our wound clinic, sometimes we leave dressings on for a week to 10 days and the wounds love it. They heal beautifully in their moist, warm little bandage. Now trust me on this. I know it's counterintuitive, but I tell my patients it's kind of like baking a cake. You can't keep opening the oven door to check on its progress, right? You gotta leave that oven door closed until the time is up. Trust me on this one. And also, please do not listen to others who advise you to take your bandage off at night and let your wound breathe. That is not necessary. And like I said, it will definitely slow down your healing rate. And you risk infection by leaving your wound open. Any bacteria or yeast or fungi or viruses can just crawl right into your wound and set up shop. So that's it, you've cleaned and dressed your wound. You are providing the best environment for your wound to heal. And don't forget proper nutrition and sleep. These are essential for wound healing. And folks, I'm in the editing process, but my good friend and wound care nurse, Masa Karazi, reminded me to talk about the healing itch. And I'm so glad she did. This is so important to include. Toward the end of your healing process, essentially when your body's making new skin cells to cover your wound and create your scar, very often you'll get an itch, an itchy feeling. We call it the healing itch. It's a phenomenon. Scientists aren't 100% sure of why it happens. We just know that your body releases so many different chemicals in the whole healing process and sometimes they can be interpreted as an itch um, especially towards like I said the end of healing so it's so super important to not scratch those scars uh, scratch that newly formed skin, you know, you'll just, you'll just delay your healing process. So try to ignore the itch. If that doesn't work, you can use a, you know, an over-the-counter anti-itch cream, or you can just kind of pat the scar. That's what I do sometimes is just kind of pat the area. Pat, 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 pat. Uh, sometimes that distracts it. Or cold compresses help too. Or like if you have a bag of frozen peas, um, just don't lay it directly on your skin. Put a towel down first and then put something cold over it. Um, all those things can help you try and avoid scratch your new scar or your newly formed skin. So that's the healing itch. And I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Please seek medical help 
if your wound is very deep or if you can't stop the bleeding or if the bleeding goes like squirt, 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 well, that means you've cut an artery. So please apply pressure and get medical help. Get help if your wound is near your eye or really any body orifice or if you're immunocompromised or definitely get help if there's anything necrotic in your wound that would look like black or gray or, or brown. Please seek medical help if you have fever or chills or the skin around your wound is very hot or red. All also, I encourage you to seek medical help if it's been over four weeks and you don't see any results from your attempts. Or simply, if you have any questions or doubts, we are here to help you. Folks, this podcast was recorded in my studio on the hill in San Antonio, Texas in April of 2023. It was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. And I did it all while planting some tulips. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review. If you have a request for future content, please contact me me at contact at woundcarecaring.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And remember folks, time does not heal all wounds. So if that happens to you, please seek help from a wound care professional.